This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. <laughs> sure that's true. I'm sure that's true. Oh, wow. I've never taught after a sea shanty before. Does anyone remember uh, what the text is that we're going to be talking about this hour? These sea shanties should give you a... Boniface, exactly. Sea shanties should give you a clue. Noah, exactly. We're going to be talking about the flood. Let's, let's pray. Oh, Lord, we uh, thank you for your incredible salvation extended to us. And I thank you for the gift of your church that we are together in the ark and that we can sing sea shanties together. Would you come, Lord, and minister to us now in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, my name is Margie Fawcett. If I haven't met you, so glad that you're here. I would love to meet you. And I'm going to be teaching on the text from Genesis, the flood. And uh, in the flood text, we find Noah constructing an ark that will carry his family through an approaching flood of destruction. The book of Genesis tells us that God was grieved by the condition of humanity. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Evil and darkness grew to such a pitch that God was moved to cleanse the earth through a flood. Through the destruction to come, God desired to save a remnant for life. In all the earth, there was found one righteous man, Noah. Noah walked with God. Although Noah speaks not a word that we hear, his obedience reveals his faith and trust. He obeys God specifically to the very dimensions of the ark, the gathering of the provisions, and then in waiting. I imagine Noah standing back to see the ark nearly completed and wondering, how is God going to gather all of those animals? And in the distance, he sees two enormous figures ambling toward him on all fours with massive shoulders and a beard and tiny horns, bison. I said, okay, sons, just take a step back. <laughs> Give this fellow some space. What are these? And how far have they come? And next, maybe Noah finds himself eye to eye with an ostrich. And she comes close to investigate Noah's long gray beard and then snatches a hair from it. Just exactly what I'll need for my nest. What must it have been like for the whole family to see this procession of animals? directing them to the stalls they had just built for them, noticing the increased level of noise and odor. What must it have been like to finally step inside 
daunting, magnificent. And then God shuts the door. If they had a captain to announce the important information for the journey, it may have been, welcome aboard, folks. We're expecting a rocky trip today. We expect nausea, wet feet. In the event of a water landing, uh, your nearest exit, your nearest exit has been closed by the hand of God. So what at first seems like an adventure takes on another dimension entirely when the door shuts and cannot be opened. Although they knew that God had constructed this ark to deliver them from destruction, the reality of being inside that plan was now inescapable. All the fountains of the great deep burst forth and the windows of heaven were opened. And there they were, relying on lumber, smoothed over with pitch, to carry them through the destruction of all living things. Terrible, violent powers of the depths were unleashed. And they felt that massive vessel at once flat on the ground scrape, lurch, tip, and finally float. Imagine the sound of the straining wood as it was squeezed by the power of the waves, the animals bellowing, screeching, the nausea. It's, I'm holding on, but to what, a log? What could Noah do? but trust that it would hold together. What must it have been like to be held in that ark of wood while the world was coming undone? Did they rail against God, against Noah? It would have been better to drown quickly than to be shaken to death in this stinking wooden barrel. Or perhaps with wave after wave that did not crush them, they gained confidence. It's holding up. We just might make it. Each time we pitch, we right ourselves. And then they noticed the seams. Where they smeared pitch between the beams, trickles of water start to come in. After weeks of pressure, the places where the pitch didn't seal perfectly are starting to leak. If it's not the immense waves, it's the small trickles. Will it be sufficient? Will it get us through? They are utterly helpless. God must do it, and he does. It was his desire to save them. It was his idea to lift them up through the waters of death in an ark. And they pass through the waters and live. You may have begun your journey in awe of the magnificence of God's love extended to you. And you got into this boat because God invited you. And in faith, you said yes. And then the door shut. 
and you're in the dark, and your wonder and awe wanes. Because now all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of the heavens have opened. Some of you may be experiencing all of these fountains breaking forth, thinking there's no way this ark is going to hold. The pressure is too much. Am I going to die? Are we all going to die? Can Jesus carry me through? Does he even care? Some of you here are gripped by paralyzing fear of the crashing waves, the overwhelming circumstances, and crushing disappointments. Others of you don't so much fear the collapse of the whole ship, but you fear the dread of the day by day, the trickling waters, the daily heaviness and bleakness, the fear of being alone, the fear of an unknown future. Well, God instructed Noah specifically about how to construct the ark because he knew exactly what the ark would face. He knew the heights of the waves that would crash. He knew the pressure and the pounds of force that would press against the frame. And he knows the pressure that you face tonight. He knows the height of the waves. And he has made a way for you. And the way is himself. And Jesus has bound himself to you. Your every weakness and frailty knit to him by his extended hands to you on the hard wood of the cross that carries us through. You'll never face the water alone. And yet we do pass through the waters. The walls of the ark were tested in my life by the huge and terrifying dark storm of death. When my children were very small, they were two and five years old, my husband John and their father died. And it was a very difficult and painful and dark time. There were um, especially sa um, Saturday mornings I found to be particularly difficult. I think because um, like Monday through Friday there was school or something happening, Sunday we had church to come to, Saturday was like this long expanse of time. Like how am I gonna get from this morning until this night with this kind of heaviness. And so on Saturday mornings, well, lots of mornings, but particularly one Saturday morning I'm thinking of, um, when my kids woke up early in the morning, they would run and jump into my bed. And I was a really big fan of playing um, any kind of game with them that allowed me to remain in bed. <laughs> <clears throat> 
Like, how can I parent on my back? There must be a book. Someone should write the book. I think it would be a bestseller. Um, but as I was, was lying there, and I have one child under each arm, which was that my sort of position for many years of my life, I'm lying there in bed with them and thinking, how am I going to get through this day? How am I going to do this? How am I going to um, speak life to them in this day and the next day and the next day and the next day? And as I was lying there, this idea came to my mind. And this was an idea of something I had heard at a healing conference years before. And it was the story of uh, a child that had had a traumatic birth. And the prayer minister just had an inspiration from the Holy Spirit as a way to pray for this child was to play this game called the being born game. And so they prayed this. Well, this idea of the being born game came to my mind. And so I was like, well, let's play the being born game. So the being born game is when I get to lie down in bed and the kids would crawl to my feet, basically, under all of the blankets, and one at a time, they crawl up and then they pop out at the top and I say, oh, you're born, it's a girl. And then, you're born, it's a boy. And then they would get born again, and they would <laughs> crawl down in. And then they would crawl back, oh, you're born, it's a girl. You're born, it's a boy. And as we played this game, it wasn't a game. It was a ministry of God to our family. It was the presence of the Holy Spirit, naming for them and for me, you're alive, and it's good that you're here. And you're a girl, and you're a boy, and I love you. You have been born, and you are here, and God loves you. And the presence of God was there. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. You know, I was committed to the goodness of God to get me through the big picture, to get me through life. You know, somehow, I, you know, I, when I die, I'll get to heaven. I had faith in the soundness of the ark, of the hardwood of the cross, of Jesus carrying me through. But I was terrified about what life would be like in the ark, going through the waters of death, going through years uh, by myself, and left to figure out what to do and how to help my children when I myself was so afraid. How much pain would there be? How long would the storm last? And I didn't know until the storm came that Jesus would be there in the worst storm I could have imagined. That he would be alive and with me in that ark. I was surprised to find Jesus alive and with me, speaking life, bringing himself. And when your fears rise up, Jesus himself will be with you in the ark. 
You can sit yourself down on the wood of the ark, feel the presence of God's saving vessel around you. Press your hands against the walls, feel how sturdy and strong they are, and expect him to show up when you despair that the rain will never stop. He is here to weather the storms with us now. You may not have ever told anyone about the emptiness and anxiety that you feel, but the Lord knows, and he is here, and the church is here. You can open your heart to him, find him here. And I think it's just so wonderful that Justin led us in a sea shanty. I think we have another one to look forward to. And why do you think sailors sang sea shanties? Because they were joined together in desperately long and dangerous trips. And singing lifts the heart and binds us together. There are some of you here tonight that need the ministry of community, of singing together in the midst of the storm, a shared life. You are not alone. Allow the arms of the church to embrace you, to sing with you, to sing over you the love of God. On this eve of Christ's resurrection from the dead, let us turn to Jesus to press our hands into the hardwood of the cross, the ark of deliverance, and rejoice that we're in this ark together. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the ark of your cross that carries us through deep water and dark storms but you have made a way. Lord, would you give us the gift of increased faith in the hard wood of the cross to carry us through? And I ask, Lord, that you would minister to the hearts of those that are terrified now of the storms in which they find themselves. Would you reveal yourself to them? Would you speak to them of your love? And would you send now your spirit to fill your church, to bring love and community, to bring us together to sing and worship you. In the name of Jesus, amen.